Welcome to Warren Radio with your hosts, the Watchman Dana Smith and Tower. Thanks for listening. Welcome and greetings. You're listening to Sound the Show Far on a Friday morning, heading into Shabbat. At any rate, today we are going to be talking about judgment. We're doing uh, Isaiah on Thursday nights. And, of course, the first part of that, there is a lot of uh, number of uh, things that Isaiah gives us talking about judgment. But Isaiah is full of a lot of good things, not just judgment. But if you've been listening, you know judgment is about redeeming, giving people a chance to think their actions over. On this morning edition, I usually go right into the the teaching. Tower's not with us today. And if you need to get a hold of us, Comments, questions, business, whatever. Go to warren-usa.com. Go to the contact page. That's the way people get a hold of us. We do not uh, jive and thrive and yap on our shows. They're reserved for the Word of God. Now, it doesn't mean in the future that we may not do something like that. Now, you can find us, <clears throat> excuse me, on Twitter by WatchmanIS216. That's hashtag WatchmanIS216, hashtag Warren Radio, hashtag WGS underscore Watchman. You can find us on Instagram. USA.life and MeWe by hashtag Warren Radio on LinkedIn, hashtag Watchman. And as far as our shows go, we're on a lot of different uh, avenues to listen it. Now we're also on Podchaser. Uh, we've been, uh, we added Anchor uh, along with a lot of others. So there is ample opportunity to find it an app from any one of these places. Um, a lot of them like the iTunes app. Uh, uh, we have a lot of listeners always have a good amount uh, on iTunes. But uh, at any rate, today we are talking about authority over the nations, part eight. A couple of articles I want to make sure Raging America Among the Nations. Raging America, if I were the most famous preacher on earth, I could not do it. If suddenly everyone in America were listening to me, I could not do it. Another one, God's overcoming grace. It's understood as his favor towards us. Both of those articles, I encourage you to read and hand them off to your friends, send them to your friends. And uh, today I tweeted out a couple of things. Um, But... uh, Dr. Dobson is being quoted in CBN, and one of the quotes I like 
celebrating sexual fantasy while denying the value of every life. Could the soul of America be any more lost? And he's referring to the fact that Fox News, uh, Fox Sports, denied an ad from a group of abortion survivors. In other words, these are kids that were supposed to be aborted and they lived. And it's a positive message of survival and healing, yet they chose the perversion of drag queens. So, Dobson, he's pretty famous. So, when I talked in Raging America Among the Nations, now I don't mention Dobson, but he is a perfect example. If I were the most famous preacher on earth, if Dobson, which he's pretty famous, he could not do it. What can he do? He can't make a nation turn around. People are given choices. You have liberals, and not all liberals are anti-God, of course. But see, there's people that have been taught, and even in the churches, there are opposites here. Things that don't jive with Scripture, things that don't jive with the apostles, and uh, unfortunately, that's the way it is today. So, read Raging America Among the Nations. Last night, we've been talking about, uh, we've been in uh, chapter 19 and 20 of Isaiah. We've been discussing Sennacherib, Assyria, Ethiopia, Egypt, and Judah. So uh, be sure to catch these broadcasts. It's interesting to note when we talk about this, there is a lesson here. Now, we left off the last time. Uh, One example is the Assyrians in Nineveh. And uh, we were talking, uh, quoting Nahum, who is speaking against Nineveh for its sins. Now, of course, we remember Nineveh because it repented But 70 years later, they're going to be destroyed. But they were able to pretty much go about their business for a long time. Today, uh, the target is perspective judgment. In other words, no one is... immune to judgment no nation no person they may think they are and in this study we go through a bunch of or a lot of scriptures regarding judgment to give you the other side of perspective not just Isaiah but a lot of the other And in Isaiah, 
and Babylon the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldees excellently shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. And it's it's interesting when we look at the verbiage here. In Nahum 3, 4, it says, because of the multitude of the whoredoms of the well-favored harlot, the mistress of witchcraft, that selleth nations through her whoredoms and families through her witchcrafts. In other words, she she's leading a lot of people down the road to destruction, and people follow her because they are deceived. And because of, like this one here, uh, the glory of the kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldees, excellent, just beautiful, strong, powerful kingdom, thinking that they can do anything. Now, see, when you get any nation that begins to think too much of themselves, judgment comes. Now, look at what's happening over in China. We have been on our advocacy program on uh, Wednesday night talks about we talk about the persecution of the church we discuss and we also talk about uh, miracles and signs and wonders that are following these people on the field first hand reports that come in um, and uh But you see, China has been making war against the Christian church for a long time. Now, they've got another, what I call, whore church. And the harlot church has always been there, even in the days of Israel. They were harlots. Not all of them, but they were there. The abominations were found in the temple itself. Jeremiah was told to go in and look and see what they were doing. So just because you're setting up in a nice fancy church and you make a good salary and everybody agrees with your message, don't make you right. The word of God makes it right. But your misinterpretation of it doesn't. And so today in America and the world, we have a lot of different harlotries going on. And then you have those that rise to the top, like coddled cream. It's the same way when you go to the swamp and all the garbage, all the silt and some of the stinky mess will stay at the top. For instance, if you go through the Scottish blog, uh, bogs or the Irish bogs, <clears throat> you know, there's that stink right up on top, that stuff there. And then down underneath is where other stuff is that sunk down there. And if you stay there, you can be part of it. You can't get out. Nevertheless, there is a way you can get out. But the point of it is, is that when you start lifting up unrighteousness instead of righteousness, you're in trouble as a nation. And that's what we face today. 
we face a secular religiosity that doesn't fear God, but talks of God and has distorted the view of the holiness of God and brought him down to the commonness of man. And they begin to think that God is just like man. After all, didn't he say, uh, you know, we are made in the image of God, not in the image of the sinful part of man. No, he did not. The only part of you that is similar is the spirit. The flesh is part of that fallen nature. If you hadn't fallen, you would have been in a glorified body. So we postulize and pontificate and use our theologies. And we convince ourselves we can do this. Now, Isaiah here is speaking to Babylon, who is the glory and beauty will be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, which if you read the count, you'll see uh, fire and brimstone, lightning. Yeah. If you look at mystery Babylon, she's going to fall too. And guess what? She has the same harlotries with her. All of these major ones, Nineveh, Babylon, Mystery Babylon, Sodom and Gomorrah, they were all, they all had commerce. Sodom and Gomorrah had commerce. Nobody said anything about what they did because they could make money. They could sell them stuff. It was about money, income, economy. Lot lived there, made a living there. His, his kids lived there. Isaiah 14, 4 says, Thou shalt take up this proverb against the king of Babylon and say, How has the oppressor ceased, the golden city ceased? You know, riches, powerful. For I'll rise up against them, he says in uh, fourteen twenty-two. We've already covered this in our study. Saith the Lord of hosts, and cut off Babylon, the name, remnant, son, and nephew. Now, it's kind of interesting that when Saddam Hussein was uh, alive and kicking, he tried to rebuild Babylon. And Babylon always did have a people there. Even when Babylon fell to Medio Persia, it didn't, it wasn't completely destroyed. So many people see the prophecy of Babylon as going to be fulfilled during the tribulation. And that's why you have a number of theological uh, end time pontificators believe that the old Babylon, you know, is going to be remade and it will be the home of the Antichrist. A very popular theory, you know, it's one that, you know, Man tries to figure out how this is going to work. But if you read uh, Mystery Babylon, that's a whole other thing as we as we look at it. Because it's not Babylon. It's Mystery Babylon, which is, a, which is different. And so 
it is able and and see the imagery in revelation is much more um colorful than in the old testament the old testament babylon we knew of it we knew what they did um they were a strong nation and they did uh invade israel or judah it took a lot of captives. They destroyed the temple there, took the priests. They, a lot of them w- would have been taken captive or killed. Um, <clears throat> the king, king's sons, and uh, a lot of the princes, they were all taken captive. Uh, some of them were killed. Um, Jeremiah, though, was in the city when it happened, and they let him go. <clears throat> Because they knew they had heard of Jeremiah. So uh, they let him go. They knew his message. So while Babylon was a whore, it respected the prophets of Israel. So did Egypt. Ethiopia. The Gentile nations knew about the prophets of Israel. Isaiah 21 9, behold, here cometh the chariot of men with a couple of horsemen, and he answered and said, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. He had asked him. And all the graven image of, images of her God he has broken unto a under the ground, Jeremiah 51.8, Babylon has suddenly fallen and destroyed. Howl for her, take balm for her pain. And th- that imagery, those words are the, pretty close to what it says in Revelation 18. About uh, when Mystery Babylon falls. So we see a lot of this similar. And of course, it was Jeremiah the prophet that had spoken against Babylon, Jeremiah 50 in verse 1. Jeremiah 52. Declare you among the nations and publish and set up a standard, publish and conceal not. Say Babylon is taken, Bel is confounded, Murdoch is Merodach is broken in pieces, her idols are her images are broken in pieces, her idols are confounded. Now both of those particular uh idols Bel and Merodach have have a lot of significance. I won't go into that, but that would be a good study for you to look up Bell and Merodach and how they relate to knowledge and some of the very things we have today. Uh, Jeremiah 58, removed out of the midst, remove out of the midst of Babylon and go forth out of the land of the Chaldeans and be as the he goats before the flocks. Now, you see, he's telling the Jews to get out of Babylon. Revelation 18, in the first part of that, it says, come out of her, my people. 
that you be not partakers of her sins and receive of her plagues. And see, both of these are clear. God is judging the heathen. He doesn't want his people in there. So fast forward, let's look at America. Where to come out of her. Now see, in when we look at that verbiage to come out, as Christians, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. So technically, as a Christian and as a believer, yes, we're in the world and we're not part of her. So we have come out of her. We've been delivered out of her. But yet, within this, when we see Jeremiah in 58, it says remove. It's not just the fact that you may be a Jew and you follow the Lord. It was the fact that you're to get out. Uh, in Revelation 18, the fact is, You need to get out because within the context of that, he says, so you don't receive of, you know, you don't partake of the sins and receive of her plagues. Now, see, this is a big thing. Uh, And so when America's judged, Christians, and of course, I'll address those that believe in the pre-trib rapture, uh, good for you. (laughs) You know, if you're taken out ahead of time, you have nothing to worry about. But the teaching of the pre-trib rapture is really misplaced. And I'm not telling you that the Lord isn't coming again, but the pre-trib rapture is is just baloney as far as I'm concerned. I don't really concern myself with it. I don't worry about it. He's coming again, and when he comes, he will take us, period. Now, if he does that early, I'm all for it. If he does it later, that's fine. But I don't get hung up on this date. Uh, David Wilkerson didn't either. And uh, years ago, he used to talk about that as well. Uh, I just don't worry about it. Because biblically speaking, in the context of of the rapture, you don't find that uh, teaching anywhere backed up in the Old Testament. And the fact that Enoch walked with God, that is not being raptured out. That's fantasy. But you see, they they learn this at the hands of uh, PhDs, men teaching men. That's the way it's been for decades. And once man gets uh, convinced of, of a falsity uh, and they believe it's truth and they look at the scriptures and convince themselves, then they just continue to teach it as truth. So subsequent generations learn the same thing. We should be learning to walk with God, n- not looking at the other. But see... Uh, there's a lot of good Christians that believe in it. If you want to believe in it, that's just perfectly fine with me. <laughs> I could care less. You know, I don't, I don't worry about it. You want to worry about it or, you know, if that comforts you, well, help yourself. But the bottom line of it is, is there are things you have to deal with. And the fact that you think that you're going to be out of there, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, a lot of the stuff that we think, the seven-year tribulation and all that is, is bunk. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell you that there is no seven-year tribulation. Matter of fact, the precursor to the three and a half years and the wrath of God is a lot longer uh, before you even get to that point. When we first started this, it was bad. And by the time we hit the year 2000 in this ministry, uh, things begin to get worse. And uh, we've seen things get considerable worse. And the Lord still hasn't come. 
Uh, and we have a turmoil of nations as we've never had. And, uh, you know, we're right on the tip of the tentacle on full-scale global uh, thermonuclear war. <clears throat> so when we look at all of this, what I'm telling you is live by faith every day, look to the Lord. Now, there are scriptures I can give you. And uh, one is found in John, and, and I just suggest you read John uh, chapter 10 through chapter, chapter 18. When you get to 16, 17, that's particularly important because the Lord is praying, and he says, I pray thee, Father, that you would not take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil. So that's your first point here, being kept from the evil. You can pray that. Father, keep us from the evil according to your word. The other one is Luke 21, 34 through 36. Specific commandment here. Watch and pray always. Okay, listen to this. That you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that are going to come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Two things here. Worthy to escape and to stand before the Son of Man. Those are conditional. You're to watch and pray always that you would be counted worthy to escape. I pray all, I pray those all the time for me and my family and, and, and others. So make no mistake about it. Uh, you know, the teaching that says you can live like, you know, you go to church, you come home, you know, you're there Wednesday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and uh, you're attending all the time. You're teaching school, but then you live like the devil. And then you expect to go in the rapture here in America. <clears throat> You know, I mean, you get overseas and you get into the persecuted church. You're not going to find them all hoping on a on a pre-trib rapture. They know what real persecution is. They have loved ones that's been killed and murdered. So for you to sit on your butt on a comfortable cushion in a church in America... And think everything lives and rises with that church and its denomination. You're wrong. Now, you can use it as a tool. That's fine. But the bottom line of it is, is we are the temple of God. Because Christ dwells in us and because we are in a building worshiping the Lord, where two or more are gathered, he is in the midst of us. That's church. And you can be gathered together under a tree, and that can be a church, by a brook, in a cave, in the catacombs under Rome during the persecution. You see, this is the way it works, folks. Because God is going to give you a new body filled with his spirit, and he will be in a temple, and we will celebrate tabernacles. And it's a commandment. They will all come up. This is during the millennium. There's a lot of things that's not taught in the churches today. But we do need the churches. We, we do need our fellowship. We do need believers to be together. But the churches, as I have seen it and experienced it, as well as many, the church is the only place where we run over our dead and bury them. We're, we're run over, I mean, our wounded. So this is in the aspect of judgment, folks. We were warned in the New Testament, judgment must first begin at the house of God then if we, who are believers in parenthesis, barely survive, 
where will the sinners and the ungodly stand? Huh? Where will they stand? So make no mistake about it. When we talk about judgment, these are meant to get you to think about your relationship with the Lord. They're meant to say, hey, and that's why Jude talks about it a lot. That's why Peter mentions it. Among others, you know, Peter and Jude both talk about Sodom and Gomorrah. They talk about the angels losing, you know, uh, their original estate. Make no mistake about it. It's about stirring you to understand there are things you need to pay attention to. And if your pastor ain't preaching the truth, either get out of the church or get rid of him. But see, you know, the way we get pastors in this country is wrong, too. If you are looking for a preacher, you need to be fasting and praying. If your if you're deacons who help choose don't fast and pray three days, and I mean at least three days, before he comes to be a candidate and meet you and preach. And I've candidated for some churches, and I was inexperienced in it. But you're like on a tri- on trial, see. And people judge after the flesh many times in churches. And because you get people in that are former salesmen, one of my head pastors was a, was a salesman, successful, became a preacher. And and he could sell you on just about anything, really friendly. Nevertheless, you see the the whole thing here the congregation needs to be faster than praying. Before you ever begin, you need to fast every week. Before he comes to try out, your deacons need to be fasting for three days before the meeting. So you can be in tune with the Lord. We don't do that. And if you know of any congregation that fasted and prayed and their deacons for three days... And then when the candidate came to preach, the very next day you were still fasting, and then you had a big lunch together. Then go to our website and tell me who it was. I challenge you. If you're in a church and they're looking for a new pastor, they need to be fasting and praying. And I mean more than just skipping a meal. I mean, seriously, fasting and prayer and seeking the Lord on this. And you wonder why we have so much schism, so many denominations. Well, see, I don't worry about all the denominations because the Lord's in charge. I had someone ask me that once. He didn't like the answer, but I told him, don't worry, the Lord will handle it because the fire is coming. He didn't know what I was talking about. I'm talking about the smelter of the Lord, the fire. That's going to come through the church. Yeah. 
You just sit there and be secular because God will take care of it. (laughs) Because he doesn't want you destroyed. He treats you as a son or a daughter. And if you're going down the wrong path, you're not where you need to be. He will send things into your life to stir you up. And Jeremiah 59 says, For lo, I will raise and cause to come up against Babylon an assembly of great nations from the north country, and they shall set themselves in array against thee. From thence shall be, shall be, she shall be taken. Their arrows shall be as of a mighty expert man, and none shall return in vain. Now, of course, Babylon itself was overthrown by Medo-Persia. Cyrus, and uh, it was because of him, he literally commanded the Jews to go build the temple and go back to Jerusalem. Yet even in that, there were Jews that stayed in Babylon, and there were Jews that scattered throughout the region after they were freed. But see, you're going to find this same thing uh, when you get into Mystery of Babylon. The same tactic is going to be used. Mystery of Babylon will fall. And there will arise an assembly of nations that have tired of Mystery of Babylon, and they will destroy it. And of course, Babylon itself was not a nation. It was a powerful city-state, which was common. I mean, even in Europe, they had those. They were ruled by kings. In the time of the kings and uh, the round table, remember King Arthur and all the others, you know. And they ruled vast areas. But you see the same thing in Mystery Babylon. So there's a lot of similarity within these. Jeremiah fifty thirteen because of the wrath of the Lord it shall not be inhabited be she shall be wholly desolate and every one that goeth by at Babylon shall be astonished and hiss at her, all her plagues. Verse fourteen then says right after that put yourself in array against Babylon round about all ye that bend a bow shoot at her spare no arrows for she has sinned against the Lord. Now of course they did sin against the Lord. And, of course, he didn't destroy him until after the judgment on Babylon, on, uh, on Israel was done with, which Jeremiah said was going to be 70 years, which I, I look as a generation. But even if we don't, I consider seven uh, one of the Lord's numbers uh, completion. Uh, the number 10 is uh, another number of completion, but as we see um in the New Testament, there was five wise virgins, five foolish virgins. So seven times ten is seventy. So it's a fullness number, a completion of those things done which God had intended for them. But you see here, the similarity is astounding. But see, Babylon still has people living there. It, it's not... Um, it's not wholly desolate. So we see this as a, as a second prophecy within this that's going to happen relating to the end of days uh, when the beast comes. The bottom line of it is, is that 
if if we're really talking about harlotries, there's a lot of them to go around. There's a lot of things that we do as nations. Uh, now we want to go to Second Samuel seven. I like the story of Samuel because uh, his mother um, couldn't get pregnant. And then she went and prayed to the Lord in the temple, and and uh, she got pregnant later on. The priest there had seen her praying because she was praying quietly with her lips moved, and he thought she was drunk, and she said, I'm not drunk. And and told her her problem issue, and he says, "Well, you will. The Lord will grant you what you want and, and what you desire, and you'll become pregnant." And she and she did pray. She says, "If you give me what, uh, you know, a son, uh, I will give him back to you." And that's what she did. And that son was Samuel. And Samuel was with uh, uh, in the temple. And. Uh, the temple was kind of corrupt at the time, but yet God kept Samuel from any sin and used Samuel. I use that that story of Samuel in the temple and how God kept him as an example to parents with children that God can keep your child. You need to pray and believe him. So Samuel says, uh, verse 23 of chapter 7 of Second Samuel, And what one nation in the earth is like thy people, even like Israel, whom God went to redeem for a people to himself, to make him a name, and to do for you great things and terrible for thy land before thy people, which you uh, thou redeemed uh, to thee from Egypt and from the nations and their gods, hast thou confirmed to thyself thy people Israel to be a people unto thee forever, and thou, Lord, art become their God. And now, O Lord God, the word that thou hast spoken concerning thy servant, concerning this house, establish it forever as, and do as thou hast said. And let thy name be magnified forever, for saying, The Lord of hosts, the God is over Israel, and let the house of thy servant David be established before thee. That is a great prayer. And and when we look at Israel, you know, David and, and the others concerning Israel, we have record of them saying that there wasn't anything failed that God had promised to do for them. But we find the whole kingdom uh, falling apart after uh, Solomon's reign. That was the top of the rung for them. Uh, And David, the warrior king, had defeated the enemies. And Solomon was the king of the temple. Um, And uh, although in the latter part of his reign, his heart did depart from the Lord and let Israel do that. And of course, for that, uh, Israel's divided into two houses, Judah and the Northern tribes. And they both went on to uh, face judgment. The Northern tribes were carried away captive. They were intermingled with, uh, uh, with the tribes that had invaded them among others. Some of them stayed in the land. Most of them were taken out. 
Um, and they became the lost tribes of Israel, which you've probably heard of. Uh, so it, it's an amazing thing to see the intention of God and what he had done for them. But yet, in spite of them seeing all the miracles, they fell away. And uh, <clears throat> the reason that this is in here is that by the time you get to Jeremiah and Jeremiah's uh, warnings, I mean, the Israel that Samuel is talking about is no more. Now you're dealing with a nation that is sending their children uh, through to Baal, uh, through fire, killing, sacrificing their kids. I've always wondered why humans eat their children. And by this, um, we go back in history and, and sacrificing your kids is just, something that was done. Israel did it. Today in America, we eat our children by killing them literally in the womb or killing them once they're birthed. And and a lot of them now, uh, New York is one of the most horrific abortion laws now on the, on the books. And, uh, Planned Parenthood made the statement this year they, they were able to abort more babies than they've ever done. Now, see, all of that is innocent blood. All of that is the killing of innocent life. That's in the law. You're not going to get away from it, and that will destroy a nation. And so one day, that blood and the sins of America will have reached their fullness, and this country will no longer exist. Period. And uh, the bottom line of it is, is when it happens, you don't want to be here. So you need to be praying that, uh, those scriptures I told you, and seeking the Lord. But, uh, you know, there is a thing, though. And and although some Christian churches, like the one guy who wrote a hymn about the 81% who elected uh, Donald Trump, uh, you know, he was out of line, totally out of line. And uh, the bottom line of it is Trump was not elected as a preacher or a pastor. Obama, if you know, they didn't say that about Obama, but Obama's the one that pushed uh, further abortion. He's the one that opened up the military to homosexuality and other things. Obama is lawless. Uh, he's sneaky and he's lawless. He's always been that way. Uh, even to this day, people believe that he's still the Antichrist. I don't worry about it. I don't think about it. But uh, uh, as far as Trump goes, you know, he is the most pro-life president in history. He is uh, the most pro-Israel president, uh, according to Netanyahu's, that they've ever had. And uh, he has actually done more uh, as far as economically than any other president we've ever had. I mean, so it's really, the Jews actually think God uh, God appointed him, which makes many of, the, many of the other Christians that don't like him mad. But, I mean, I can't help that. I didn't vote for him for, a, uh, you know, he, you know, he is what he is. He, he's a billionaire white guy. And when I first heard that this guy was going to be elected, I laughed. I said, they'll never elect him. Well, they didn't. The people did. 
And they elected him because he's outspoken. He says what he feels. He got sick of what he was seeing, so he just related that, and the people identified with it and elected him. And he's still doing that because he doesn't care. I mean, if he sees something, he's going to say it. You don't like it, don't listen. I mean, that's the way it is. He's not up there to be whoopee-doo friendly Joe. He's up there to clean house, to get rid of the things that are destroying our Constitution and our nation. We're not looking for a theocracy here. We're looking for the country to come back so America can operate. But as long as you're going to push abortion, as long as you're going to be pushing all these horrifying, immoral, uh, you know, attitudes that we have in America that's become the status quo, this nation will never turn around. Now, it could very, very easily face judgment and divide. That, that could happen. Matter of fact, I think of all the things that would happen to America, that would be the most likely that America, there will be a civil war or there will be an invasion and this nation will break off into two separate houses, just like Israel. There will be one that is totally secular on its own and away from God, and there will be another one of uh, people who are who are more inclined to uh, original uh, inclination of the Constitution and to know the Lord God and uh, walk in a moral way. I mean, we don't know. That's not prophecy. That's just uh, conjecture. But uh, the bottom line of it is those things are very popular because we're talking about judgment here. And it's up to God what to decide what he does. And frankly, whether you're Democrat or Republican, whether you're a millionaire, whether you're George Soros or whether you're Donald Trump or whatever, when judgment comes, there's not a thing you're going to do about it. Nothing. Zilch. You may not like it. You're not supposed to like it. Just read Lamentations. Nobody liked it. Judah didn't like it. The northern tribes didn't like it. Israel to this day didn't like it. But they accepted it because they know what happened. Now, see, in Jeremiah 11, 9 through 15, it says, And the Lord said unto me, A conspiracy is found among the men of Judah and among the inhabitants of Jerusalem. They are turned back to the iniquities of their forefathers, which refused to hear my words. And they went after other gods to serve them. The house of Israel and the house of Judah have broken my covenant, which I made with their fathers. Now, see, Israel is known as the northern tribes, and the house of Judah was the one that was at, excuse me, Jerusalem. That was Judah. And Judah consisted of Benjamin and, of course, Judah, but also the Levites were there because of the temple. And he says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I'll bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they cry unto me, I'll not hearken unto them. See, that's what happens when your sins separate you from your God. Now, you think America is different? No, it's no different than the others. And the people that say this was never a Christian nation are foolish. Nations are not Christian, and nations are not Jewish or the people. It's always the people. God blessed the nation because of the faith of Americans. 
not because of the sins of the evildoers who were running around, because at that time there was enough people praying for the good of the nation and walking in a manner acceptable to the Lord as opposed to those who weren't. And we didn't make national policy out of whoredoms and illicit fornicating items. We didn't parade around our fornication like we do today. See, this is what America is. And this is exactly what, when we talk about mystery Babylon and that spirit of Babylon, it is thoroughly ingrained now today in America. It's here. And in order to save America, fire is going to have to purge that spirit out of this country. And in order to do anything, it'll happen. I mean, to save the people. And the Lord is dealing with his country, not because of America, but because of the believers that are here. But he's here also to save as many as will come. Okay, he's going to bring evil, and they're not going to be able to escape. Verse 12, then shall the cities of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem go and cry unto the gods who, unto whom they offer incense, but they shall not save them at all in their time of trouble. Why? Because they're going to the other gods. They're not going to the Lord God. See? Who are you going to go to in the time of trouble? <laughs> that will be the deciding factor. For according to the number of thy cities were thy gods, O Judah. See how many gods Judah had? They were just like Egypt. They were just like the others. And according to the number of the streets of Jerusalem, have you set up altars to that shameful thing, even altars to burn incense unto Baal? Therefore, and he's talking to Jeremiah. Therefore, pray not thou for this people, Neither lift up a cry or prayer for them, for I will not hear them in the time that they cry unto me for their trouble. What hath my beloved to do in my house, seeing she hath wrought lewdness with many? The holy flesh is passed from thee when thou doest evil, that then thou rejoicest. See, and the lewdness is the idolatry and, and the other things. Of course, with the idolatry, the Ashtoreth and even Baal, Uh, There is sexual immorality that goes with it. And, of course, the people like it. And so if you're a Christian and you think fornicating is okay, you're nuts. And believe me, I've read stories of testimonies of Christians, famous who has no problem with sleeping with other people sexually. And that's just the tip of the tentacle. We've got so much abomination in this country. But does that mean the rest of the nations are perfect? No, that doesn't mean they're perfect at all. The same God that judges America will judge them. But see, we need to stand up today. You want to do something to save your country if you live in America? You need to stand up. You need to pray. You need to stand up for what's right and stand up in the name of the Lord. And you can also also do one other thing. You can help by getting these broadcasts and the articles and the other things around to those that will listen. 
Remember, these are straight to the mark as far as people have got to like these. This is not tutti frutti sugar plum, as I say, the sugar plum Jesus. That ain't who this is. This is the Almighty, the Son of God. He's coming again. Not to die on the cross. He's already done that. He's coming as Lord of Lords and Kings of Kings, and he'll put all enemies under his feet. He's already given you grace and space to repent. Now it's time to do it. So when we talk about judgment, judgment is meant to stir you. It's meant to, as they say, wake you up. But most people get in the point, you know. They don't believe it. Peter talks about that mockingly. We haven't seen him. As long as I can remember, he's never shown up. You know, today, the message of the church has been watered down. Preachers preach self-help. We don't preach the gospel as we should. We don't preach holiness. We're not salt anymore. The salt has lost its savor, its flavor. And that's why today, we call today this segment Perspective on Judgment. The Perspective on Judgment. That's what will either save you or destroy you. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to believe it? The idea is to turn around and go the other way. To stop doing what you're doing. And do what's right before the Lord. And so when we cover this stuff in Isaiah, we have been covering how God is dealing with Israel. But we're also dealing with the prophets of God giving messages to the nations. So we see this fact even in the Tanakh, as you call the Old Testament. That God is not just interested in his people. He's interested in the nations of men. He wants them to repent. And so he gives them grace. He sends his son to die on the cross. He provides an opportunity for them to repent and turn and follow him and what he wants. And see, those who are ignorant, and I mean that, see a God that's angry and jealous and judgmental and even foolish himself. But see, God is not worried about what you think of him. I don't need to defend him. He's more than able to do that himself. 
And he isn't going to. He is who he is. Moses said, who shall I say sent me? He says, I am that I am. In other words, I have existed always. I am that one who has existed all the time in all places with all knowledge. I am all. I am he. I have never been to the point where I did not exist. Tell them I sent you. We have no clue as to what that is. But see, this is the God that sent his son. This is the God that's given man mercy and grace to repent. And judgment is meant to get you to think about that and repent and seek his face. Father, we thank you for your word. Let the seed of your word get into the hearts of your people. Lord, send thy spirit to move in them. And in Jesus' name, I bind you, Satan, in the powers of darkness from the preaching, teaching, streaming, and receiving of this word in Jesus' name. Don't forget to go by warren-usa.com, danaglinsmith.com, and really visit the websites that we have. I go to a lot of work to keep them up, and it takes a lot of work. I write the articles. I put up the stuff. You know, if there's anything to do with it, I do it because we're small. That's what we do. And we're kept busy all the time. It takes a lot of work to do it. There's no doubt about it. I don't expect sympathy. That's not what I'm here for. I could care less. I'm not worried about opposition. I'm not worried about what you think. I preach the word. I sow the seed, and that's it. I'm not going to argue with you. But we do pray for everybody. And I pray that you will come to know him. And if you do know him, that you will know him even more. So when it comes to judgment in America, I pray to God that in his judgment, he will remember mercy and he will give us more time in this country. In Jesus' name, I believe that. And by having someone who will at least stand up for Christian values, stand against abortion, and stand alongside Israel. That goes a long way on the good. Father, thank you for this. We bless you, Lord. We thank you for everybody. Have a good weekend, folks. And as far as the impeachment goes, Well, you can follow us on Twitter because we have a lot of the people that uh, are in the midst of everything that uh, are on our Twitter feed and Instagram. That's a good one. I'm not really uh, excited about uh, Facebook that has it. Another one that's really good is LinkedIn. Totally different. A different thing altogether. So we'll see you. Shalom, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Warren Radio.